Hello everyone. If this is your first time tuning in, then welcome to our show. If you've listened to us before, then welcome on back. On today's episode, some of our family support partners chat about their experiences finding their child's interest, and along the way they offer some tips, tricks, and, and much more. So uh, thank you for hanging out with us, and we hope you enjoy. hear from a lot of parents that it's really difficult for um, their children, child to get involved um, in any of the activities at school. What would you guys tell a parent that has um, a teen or a child that is struggling to get maybe involved in some of the things that are at school or even outside of school? And I had a, I had one of those those kiddos. Um, we tried scouts and that really did not work out. <laughs> and over the summer, we had tried uh, art camp. And, you know, over the summer, like we lived close to a university. So the their art students would put on a summer camp for a week. And um, like, so I don't know, like Monday through Friday and and you'd pay $100, $75, $150, like whatever the price was. But it was all day long and it was supposed to be fun. We tried art camp, did not work. Um, got kicked out of art camp day four. We tried basketball camp. And, uh, you know, I, I in, in both cases, I met with the person in charge. I talked about the challenges that my kiddo was having. Um, how they were successful, needing kind of uh, somebody to catch their attention, to give them information. And uh, we lasted two days in basketball camp. Uh, and every time we signed, you know, we signed them up for something and they got kicked out. I mean, like they, they took that to heart. That was like another failure on the pile. So we really had a tough time finding activities that, that that were really that fit fit them and i think what we ended up finding out in the long term was more one-on-one -on -one things i know my child really loved music and so for them it was they had asked for violin lessons and that's kind of how it started and so we really really nurtured um those those music lessons and eventually they they got to a certain age where i think it was like middle school where a few towns over they had in the summer a town band and it was like maybe you were in middle school and older and so there were people who were retired who were in the town band and and just having that uh, my child had somebody to have that nerd moment with and connect about, you know, oh, this this sound that comes out of the oboe or, you know, I really love this piece of music, which may not necessarily be anything that would connect to them with like your your typical sixth grader. And so maybe they were talking to someone who was in their 70s who was like, oh, yeah, I, I really like that piece of music. Thanks for sharing it with me. So it was actually for us something that was really helpful was that cultivating that interest in music, identifying that um, they didn't do really well in team sports. Gym environments were awful because of the they had some processing 
challenges. So they needed that extra half a second. So here, quick, act on this was just the kiss of death um, because now they didn't realize that the ball was coming towards them and then they got hit by the ball and then they were mad because they got hit by the ball and the other people around them laughed. So they took the ball and they threw it at somebody else because they their impression of what happened was that somebody threw the ball at them. So they were kind of getting them back, which obviously, you know, didn't work out well. Um, but identifying that that like music was their passion and and allowing them to hang out with people who weren't necessarily their particular age group. I mean, I, I think if we can kind of think outside of outside of the box, especially younger kids may be more forgiving. They may like your kiddo more because they're older and they think they're cool. Um, older people may be somebody to connect with because they're somebody who they can nerd out on a specific topic with you know, at a train store or, you know, like I said, art. I don't know, Melissa, what's your experience? For us, I think like the number one thing is to think about how personal it is. And like you said, you went on this little bit of a roller coaster, try this, try that. And you got to find and really figure out what your child's interest is. And I think for my age group, as a child, when I was a child, and what we were taught was you sign up for something, you finish it, you can't quit, this is what you're doing. I would ask any parent to be way more forgiving than that and allow them to try their best. And if it's not for them, it's not for them. And that has to be okay. And I know in our family, on my, my side, it was all about football. On my husband's side, it was all about football. Then we get two sons and you just think they're going to play football. Okay. We have a child who thought football was wonderful. Let's go do this. And then he found out he had to actually hit other people. He, he could not do it. He just, it, his own personal self was so uncomfortable just ramming into somebody. It was not for him. So him being allowed to stop doing that went against everything that we thought was correct. So learning as a parent and growing as a parent and realizing that some things aren't for everybody, that you do have to find that individual niche of what is right for them and that being okay. And Sometimes you do have to go through four or five different things to find out that's just not going to work. And trying to build on what is like really good and healthy for him, being able to volunteer at the Humane Society where he just works with the animals. And it's something very loving and caring. And it's not this big team sport. All these people aren't running out on a field or a um, gym floor, but it's an activity. And it's something like you can get a lot out of. Um, he ended up switching to rifle and it was a very much individual sport. More, It is a little bit of a team sport, but it's more individual. 
and he didn't have to hurt anybody and he didn't have to feel bad about it and go apologize to the other team. And the other guys are like, we don't do that. He's like, that's what I do, you know? So he was very much himself by finding something that was individual for him. Um, I know like sometimes some of these things can be very expensive to try to be into a sport and that may not fit aside from maybe not fitting in your schedule of some parents are working two jobs or have a lot of kids and they're trying to divide everything up and give everybody what they need. I have seen parents where their child volunteered to clean out like the horse stables and then they got to have free horse riding lessons. Um, but I think that very individual thing of finding something that is good and healthy and safe for them. And if they're in a situation and it's not working out, they tried their best, you tried your best, it's not for them. And that has to be okay. And that will help them through the rest of their life, making a decision of saying that something isn't for me and I need to move on to the next thing. So I think it's... Um, just a different mindset that you really have to get into. And sometimes you don't really figure out what their thing is immediately, but you could try several different things. Like we offer, um, and I know this happens all across the state, is swimming camp where they actually get the opportunity to go to the pool and be there. And they're with peers, they're with kids, that are their peers, not just randomly dropping them off at a pool and everybody from school is there because they all live there. They get to be with a group of children that are very much like them and they may have a different issue than them, but they get to see themselves a little bit and it's kind of controlled with camp counselors and there is a lot of people that have eyes on these kids. So it's a little different than, okay, for exercise, I'm gonna drop them off at the pool. I sure hope that somebody is going to be very kind to my 14-year-old. Like there's a good chance that may not happen. But if they sign up for a swimming camp where it's kind of controlled and you have loving and caring people around them, that may work out. And sometimes it's not about exercise. Sometimes it's just about giving them something to do that lifts them up and shows them like, you may have had a really hard time during the school year, during the school day, but this thing you get to do in the evening, oh my gosh, you're so good at this. This is like the best thing. And it gives them something to be proud of themselves about. Um, and there's so many different topics. I would try any kind of different thing to present to your child and see like, are they good at this? Is this an interest? Try this out. Um, even just one of the things we did, and it was just like a silly little thing, but it was free <laughs> aside from buying a little bit of paint, we would paint rocks. And it's amazing what you can really get good at of painting those rocks. And um, I mean, the kids think it's hilarious now that they did that, but we were in a rural area. It's like, you're not going to be able to go very far to get somewhere to do something. So, I mean, we've turned out hundreds of rocks, <laughs> you know, but it's something to do. It's an activity. It's something, and they became very proud of it. I really appreciate both of your perspectives because I think one, Christina had mentioned, you know, a child 
that with ADHD um, might not be the chronological age of their birthday, right? Um, and it's thinking outside of that box of what would they be able to um, get involved with and, and being okay with maybe not being the football team, like Melissa says, you know, thinking outside of that box and seeing what like your um, community might have, um, you know, maybe it's connecting with the senior citizens at the local nursing home. I know that they have activities there because I know my daughter is absolutely, she has so much empathy and wants to help people. And I think that that is her um, special gift. Um, and so it's connecting with maybe something that's not ideal. Like Melissa said, you know, we were football. We thought, you know, our son was going to play football, but it might not work out. So it's thinking outside of the norm of, you know, what might work. I know that, you know, in our house, you know, um, we also had that kind of thinking, you have to try it, just try it. But it might not work out and it's okay if it's not going to work out. You tried, you know that you gave it your all and you know that it might not be you know, the right fit for you. So let's move on and let's try to do something different, but maybe just try something, right? So I think those were great ideas. Thank you. And the other thing is, for instance, scouts, you may, sign your kiddo up for a scouting troop and and it's just not well run mm -hmm. or maybe they have a particular area of focus that's just not great for your your child so um you know don't think just because it didn't work out or just because it worked out for another sibling or didn't work out for another sibling that it, it might not work out for your child but i was listening to something, probably a TikTok last night. And uh, they were talking about, they were, they were asking the question, why does every generation think that this new and upcoming generation is lazy or whatever? And they were making this argument that I thought was a really good argument. They said, nowadays, kids are always, they always have their, their uh, face in a screen. They're either on their phone or a tablet or their like computer or whatever. They're, they're constantly on their screen. And in, in my day, we did this, we did that. And they made this argument that I really liked. They said in their generation, which was probably my generation too, you know, late, like the 80s, 90s. When we came home from school, we sat in front of the TV and we passively watched TV um saturday morning cartoons after school mm -hmm. maybe you know like the cartoons or stupid shows like saved by the bell which i despise um but that was very passive kids nowadays are they are interacting when they are on their phone um, or they're gaming they're often connecting and chatting with people okay some of those people might not be good, and we can talk about that at another another day, another time. But nowadays, it's not unusual when you meet someone somewhere and you connect with them. So you meet somebody on the town band, you meet somebody at an art camp, you meet you know somebody wherever, and you connect with them. Maybe you have your gaming friends. You're sitting in front of the 
computer for a couple hours and you're gaming, but you're also talking to your friends, they may be friends in another country. Um, you know, they, they may be friends older than you, whatever, but, but that does expose them to different people, a variety of people. So it's a little different perhaps than just passively sitting in front of the TV, taking in, you know, goofy TV shows about, oh, I have two dates for the prom, which is like something that just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, sorry, just doesn't happen. But maybe if they're they're watching a TikTok and they're commenting on a TikTok and they're creating their own TikToks and people are responding to them, um, you know, they're they're engaging with people in different ways. Think about that because that's, well, while we're saying, oh, you know, in my day, we, this or that, they, they're rarely perhaps just sitting passively watching something. They're creating, they're engaging, they're getting involved. And maybe they're getting involved in a different way than we did. And yes, we may still need to keep an eye on it to protect them because we do know that our children are more vulnerable. But sit down and, and watch them play the game and listen to the conversations that they're having or see what kind of uh, TikToks they're creating, you know, like, oh, they know this dance move, you know, whatever the case may be. That that may be okay. Don't instantly take, we, as soon as anything comes out, we always hear, oh, like about the dangers, but there are some good sides too. And let's look for some of those good sides. I think that's a great point because I do, you know, talk to a lot of parents um, that have concerns that their children aren't like getting involved in the social activities at school, um, but they are online doing gaming, being able to, you know, doing certain things. So, you know, maybe your child um, is benefiting from more of that online interactions with people because they might not want to be like outside socially and that might fit them in a better way. So I really like that, you know, that, that point, Christina, because I do have a lot of parents, you know, that um, have a lot of children that do a lot of the ga online gaming and, um, you know, it's a great community, you know, and, and really has a lot of good benefits as well. For us, I was, prior to COVID, I was very much on top of how much screen time you're allowed to have, what are you doing, you know, phones off at dinner, um, which is still rule, but um, there's so many things that COVID has taught, taught our family of how important that connection is to other human beings. And up until then, I didn't realize what was actually going on while he was in his room playing a game, while he's in there playing video games or watching a movie with five other people, but they're all in their own homes and they're discussing all the art about it and the direction of it and what, you know, this, this director did on a previous one. And I can actually see this huge benefit that I actually didn't have my eyes open to that he was socializing and learning something and contributing to this conversation. And I think we, we as parents, we gotta always evolve and learn more and kind of take the blinders off and see things a little differently. And I think even like what we do as family support partners is having that opportunity to talk with a parent 
and like run these scenarios down with them. Having someone to bounce this off of sometimes can help you see things differently than you actually did. Sometimes we're like so close to the issue, we can't see the bigger picture. So having someone to talk that over with of kind of your child's strengths and their interests of what might be something good to try. Um, I think like taking advantage of a family support partner who can walk you through those things might be a huge benefit. It used to be when I was a kid, we moved a lot and I never heard from or had the opportunity to see those friends again or cousins from out of state. Nowadays, you can do that online. You could connect with people who aren't around. So if, if there's somebody who maybe they've never met in real life, um, but they can talk to about, about their tough day, or they could shake off a tough day. Like I'm gonna come home and I'm gonna do like some gaming with my friends. You know, I mean, that's really what friendship is about, that you have someone to connect with, someone who understands you, someone who can kind of help you shake off the, the tough day, the tough time that you've had. Uh, and and I, I, think that that's, I think that that's okay. But Melissa, you were talking about um, a little while ago, and I didn't even know about this, but the one thing that I did know about was youth peer support. So once your child has a diagnosis, if they get a diagnosis, they can be connected with youth peer support, which is nice if they have a challenge and you do want them to have someone to talk to specifically about you know, their mental health challenge and how to adapt and accommodate, maybe have, have a sounding board that's not mom or dad or big brother or sister or whoever. Um, but Melissa, you were talking about an, an interesting support group that I had never heard about. What, gaming? What was that about? Um, there are so many different support groups out there, but one that we had come across was, it was gaming, you know, just playing like certain video games. But the qualifications to join this was you had to be in this correct age group before you could be let in. And you had to have a particular diagnosis. And if this particular one was that you suffered from depression, then the peers in there that you're playing with, they also suffer from depression, whether it be depression or ADHD or any number of things. But connecting with somebody who actually gets when you're like, yeah, I couldn't take a shower today or three days. Like those kids get that. They're like, I hear you. Like I finally got mine today. <laughs> you know, like just having somebody that actually goes through kind of the same things that you are and being able to speak those words with your peers that you never would have otherwise. Like these kids that are struggling, they don't go to school and just tell everybody, you know, wave their arm. Hey, I'm really struggling. I didn't want to brush my teeth today and I don't want to get a shower or I don't want to be around anybody right now. They get to go in this group and they're in the safety of their own home, sitting in their PJs, their shorts, their whatever, and very comfortable. And they know that person that's in that mic with them, they get it, they understand. So finding something like that for your child, if that fits, can be such a beautiful thing. And they learn so much from each other because maybe somebody else in that group is further along in their journey. And they're like, you know what? You just got to do it. Like, I just had to make myself do it. 
well, how'd you do that? How'd you make yourself do that? Whatever the thing was that they didn't feel like doing, maybe it was cleaning their room. Um, maybe it was making themselves go to school. Having someone in your life that sees you and you can see them is so validating. Um, and I think that once again, that teaches your child to look for their peers as they're navigating life because they don't just need it when they're 10, 12, 15. They're going to need it when they're 30, when they're 40, when they're 50, when they are possibly having children of their own or whatever their job is for their employment. They're always going to look for their, their peers, their people. And we kind of say that term a lot, like joining a support group, like find your people. Don't isolate. Do self-care. Surround yourself with somebody who gets what you're going through. That's the same for our kids as it is for us. We don't, if just as a silly example, if you don't drink alcohol, you are not going to hang out with the people that go to the bar all the time. That's not your people. You need to teach your children to find their people because they will be looking for their people for the rest of their life. You don't stop that, you know, so it's really important. And we're always trying to protect them. And that's our job. We're supposed to. At some point, they're going to be out there without our protection. So teaching them how to navigate this world and not making them stay on that basketball team where they're not treating them right. They're so unhappy. They're miserable. What are they going to do when they're 25 and they find themselves in a job and they were always told, start what you finish. You can't quit this job. you got to stay there. And this job is making them miserable. So there's so much to what they learn by what they're doing now that they take later in life. And I think that's just as important as what they're actually doing because that stuff stays with them. They'll hear our voices in the back of their mind when they're in a situation and say, no, I just, I'm supposed to do this and not stop doing it. I'm not supposed to quit. Or they're going to hear that voice that said, you know what? I tried this. It wasn't for me and it's okay. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like going back to the gaming, like it's great that the child has so much comfortability where they can be themselves and explore their interests. Um, not the point of view of the child, but the point of view of the parent is kind of what I want to get back to. And you were touching on it there at the end. Um, I always kind of wondered how much does a parent stay involved or try to stay involved within these groups or teams? Like, because obviously there's a huge balance of you don't want to be overbearing and be in your kid's way and embarrass them, but you also should be pushing them a little bit and informing them and helping them. So where did you guys find that balance or how have you experienced that balance? Well, um, I lost my mind and created an entire soccer league, an entire soccer region. <laughs> um, partially fall sports, we wanted something to do in the spring. Um, but then when my uh, younger kids got older, put the league back together. And it, it, it absolutely helped that I was involved with my younger daughter, uh, or my older daughter, uh, uh, we had a group of parents who it wasn't just drop the kiddo off at the sport and leave. You dropped your child off at the sport and you hung out. And because of that, I got to know the other parents and that really helped um, because I was then able to see who my child was hanging around with out on the field. and 
got to know the parent and was able to maybe uh, set up like some play dates or uh, opportunities for my child to kind of stay connected to that child after the sport ended. And maybe in that case, or in any case, it could be, you know, if your child isn't the best player on the team, let's say it's it's t-ball or softball or soccer, or whatever, maybe your child is a bench warmer, but you see that there's another child who's also the bench warmer and, and they're like whispering and they're picking dandelions or they're, you know, they're they're doing homework together, whatever. If you're on that field, you can kind of see who your child is hanging around with and give them those opportunities to get together with that child at a different time. Sometimes, you know, it, it's awful to say, but sometimes as a parent, you volunteer to be a coach or an assistant coach if you know that your child is, is having a tough time. If you know that your child needs directions in a particular way, that could be a great opportunity for you to say, all right, this is really the last thing that I want to do after a long day of work, but I'll volunteer to be the coach because then at least I know my child is going to get fair opportunity to play. I know that I know maybe how to talk to my child. Um, and I can pick the benefit often of being the coaches that you could pick practice times that work with your schedule is what I always found out. Or Maybe um, I'd also been in a situation where I absolutely could not be the coach for my child. So I would volunteer to be a coach so that I could um, schedule practice times at the same time that they were practicing with their coach. So I was still there um, and I could see what was going on. And maybe, you know, sometimes if you, depending upon where you live, Sometimes you get a little bit more leeway or you get a little bit more preferential treatment in terms of picking the coach if you also volunteer because many places are often looking for volunteers. But then I could also be aware of things like, oh, where my child isn't typical, isn't very competitive. So we're going to pick a non-competitive league. But then also things like, um, you know, if you're going to sign your child up at a, uh, a community college for an art class, you know, you're not going to go in with them. <laughs> Maybe you're going to kind of hang out and, and kind of catch the vibe, see who's there. Um, but sometimes I found that if you're around, that can kind of help your child get a little bit more even treatment that they may not have gotten if you weren't there. And absolutely, if your child has any kind of challenges, if you're worried about your child at all, do absolutely avoid, if at all possible, dropping your parent off or dropping your child off and leaving and then coming back because you are not going to know if your child is being picked on, if your child is being ignored, if your child is being yelled at. You're just not going to know what that experience is for your child to know if this is a healthy environment for them or not. And I think that I noticed that, especially like I mentioned, paying for summer camps. You know, those are places where you are by the nature of the beast, dropping your child off and leaving them and not knowing what happens and not being there to remind them. So that could have been a reason why those particular camps, the basketball camp, the art camp, like I said, weren't helpful for my child. So I think you have to 
being a parent is is really like playing a game of Jenga. You have to have the entire tower from all aspects all around the game in in mind, and you have to see what happens before you you know before your um, your turn and after what happens after your turn. So you kind of can hold all that information in your head to know how does my child do well? What's the situation? What do they say is going to happen? What really happens? I know that that there were cases where um, I took I took one of my children out of scouts, not not that she was having any trouble, but I walked into scouts one day early and the girls were like the the facility had stacked chairs around the perimeter of the room so that there was space in the middle for the girls to do activities. And I walked in early one day and the girls were running around in the room, like hopping from stack of chair to stack of chair. There was no supervision. It was this like wild free for all. My my kiddo loved going, but I was like, this is not this is not an atmosphere you're going to be involved in. I don't think that this is really healthy. I can this is just like a bust head waiting to happen. So um, I, I think you have to play it play it by ear. Obviously, they get to a certain age where they're like, mother, do not come in. And that's where you have to go by what Melissa says, where if your kiddo comes home and is like, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't have my sneakers or, you know, they come up with excuses for not going. That's a, a good opportunity to kind of look into what's going on and maybe letting them opt out. Melissa, any and ideas? I, I feel like as a parent, you really need to follow your instincts. And if you don't feel that this is safe or maybe maybe it's safe, but you still just you need to make sure. Make yourself a fixture be there, whether it's in that volunteer position, whether it's just like, oh, I'm going to bring water for this, or I'm going to bring snacks. A lot of times by you being there and not in that way of like, you're just standing there with binoculars watching, you know, and it's creepy, but like put yourself in that position where you're kind of part of what's going on a little bit. And then you can learn to step back and step back and step back as you feel that you can. But I know that it's very difficult if you, we spend so much time protecting them. It's so hard to just let them, let them go and try something. And I, I've always been a person that I was just there. I volunteered for homeroom mother, all that kind of stuff, um, taught different things was kind of always around. And I think the kids all kind of got used to it. Like, okay, if so-and-so, this child's going to be in this, <laughs> we know we're getting their parent too. Their parent will volunteer and they'll bring snacks or water or, or help clean up or whatever it might be. Um, and I just think like society may say, okay, all 25 kids that are doing this, they all get dropped off. No parents, don't even look at me, leave them here. Okay, you don't have to follow that. You follow your own instincts and you do what's right for your child. And you're just trying to make this be successful. And I, honestly, I detest the word helicopter bomb because it's used in a way that it's almost said that it's a bad thing that you're watching out for your child. Everything they do is a learning experience. And you're just trying to ensure 
that this was a good learning experience. So I just feel like follow your instincts and certainly don't try to embarrass them. You know, you don't go over and like wipe their little mouths off when they're 12 and everybody's watching. You know, there's ways to do it that it's in kindness and that they actually look forward to you going. Like, oh, you're going to volunteer on Tuesday, right? You know, you want that. So, and sometimes you got to work on that kind of relationship. Sometimes they might be like, can you drop me off two blocks away so nobody sees like that you just dyed your hair this color? You know, there's all this give and take, but follow your instincts because you have them. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to This Is Not What I Was Expecting. We hope this quick chat with a couple of moms has made you feel less alone in your parenting journey. As a parent, you don't have a lot of time in your hectic day, so we are happy you spent this time with us. If you want to stay connected with us, visit us at paparentandfamilyalliance.org.